everyone. Welcome back to Challenging Trades. We are here in 2022. Uh, it is the new year and it is currently 12.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In 9.01 a.m. Western Pacific Standard Time. Yes, sir. Great to be back. Again, it's the two of us here, Chris Abarad, uh, co-founder of uh, ATM crypto coins, still the best and easiest way to buy cryptocurrency using cash, especially mm-hmm. on the East Coast. And I've got and, my partner here. And Drew here, uh, who still uses ancient bartering tools to get goods and services. Gotta love it. I'll bring him into the 20, uh, 21st century at some <laughs> point. Uh, so, for today, so for today's show, I do want to preface it by saying once again that we are Challenging Trades is a news and opinion source. We do not provide any investment advice. Do your own due diligence. So to cover today's show, first show of the new year, we are going to be doing our introductions. We're going to talk about the year, a little bit of the year in review, uh, very briefly. And we'll also be talking about what we like that we're seeing right now in the market short term, uh, any specifics that we're really interested in. We'll be talking today mostly about biotech. So it's a very controversial industry, given how things went in 2021. <laughs> it's something that's very close to Drew's heart. So I really hope that we get a lot of good information out of this, which will help us kind of identify the map of what we can expect for either returns or losses in the next year. We'll talk about a silly market move. It's a bigger than just one market move. It's, a, it's kind of a silly topic. And then we'll look at the week that's coming up. So excellent. Yeah, I'm absolutely. really looking forward. It's going to be a great show today. Um, excited uh, to be back here in the new year again. Uh, week behind. Uh, what are we, what are we thinking here, Chris? So, uh, yeah, how, how did you over. do? Uh, oh, you want me to get start? Okay. Yeah, you you started. You started first today. Well, week behind. I uh, I ate some losses. So this week was pretty. It started off actually kind of strong, moving away after the Christmas break. And then we saw a very quick tapering off of any gains and intraday, I believe it was Wednesday or Thursday. Um, we really saw a downturn for the market. What, what sectors? What sectors? Because I, I know uh, I keep reading about it that the S&P 500 is keep hitting all time highs. I'm like, where? Who, who, who has a company right now that's hitting all time highs? To be fair, the S&P 500 was actually doing fairly well. It didn't see the same volatile spikes that I saw with my individual uh, portfolio. But with my S&P 500 account, it held a really great return, uh, almost 20%. So with the individual stocks, though, we saw things like... um, we saw things like Palantir take a hit. We saw things like Wish take a hit, which we can talk about in the upcoming show, kind of a preface to what we're going to be talking about in the near future. Um, we saw things like, um, obviously, HubSpot and Salesforce take a hit. So all of these are mainly, mainly tech-related. Uh, Microsoft even took a little bit of a hit, which surprised me. Um, so we really saw a few things take a downturn that were in the tech industry. And crypto as well kind of took a little bit of a beating towards the end of the week. But to be fair, over the last 48 hours, crypto starting to see a little bit of a consolidation surge up again. So I think we're hitting the right support levels to move things along. Okay. That I'll talk about promising. that in the, the, in the next section so we can really discuss what I think is going to happen there. Uh, but it is promising. I think there is a, a little bit of a promise there for anybody holding tech, which is a lot of retail investors. So don't lose hope yet. Mm. Uh, the year is just beginning, and I think we're going to see a little bit of a turnaround as we move forward. 
Excellent. Thank you for that. Look behind here. I probably did as, as, as I, I guess, poorly as you last week in terms of just my overall portfolio gaining value, gaining traction. I thought for sure that we were going to see a Santa Claus rally, which I, I guess we were right in that. You got a little bit of indexes got did well but i did not see that actually i would actually say it was a down week for me in my portfolio mainly keeping true to what i as have always said during this podcast that i'm really focused on those deep value value plays i really think that there's a lot of under undervalued even from if you're looking at it from a, 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 a price to book ratio you know really like beaten down discounted stocks that I think are going to do really well companies that are going to really rebound but the the pain continues for me um I was looking every day and thinking why 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 is oh, this yeah. happening I mean I me? was I was in that same position <laughs> on Friday I think it was really detrimental um for the first time over the course of the entire year, besides my S&P 500 account, I saw full, I saw myself drop into the red. I've pulled back out of it immediately after the year turned. And, and that actually prompts me to talk about something else that we can bring up in a minute. Um, mm-hmm. So keep talking to me about what you were seeing as the week unfolded. Right. So I really need more exposure to a diverse portfolio. We talked about uh, why people don't uh, I think two podcasts ago, why we don't, why we don't actually just invest in a, an index or a mutual fund that we like. I keep going after these individual uh, companies because I believe in them, uh, but but that doesn't mean everyone else believes in them. And I should really be looking at just how how can I put together a diverse portfolio, include more energy stocks in there, include more consumer goods stocks. Uh, I, I think those have been doing pretty well, like the, the companies that are established, the ones that are bellwethers. Those are the companies that uh, I do have some of those, you know, I'll mention, you know, some, some, uh, some, some larger, you know, mega cap stocks, uh, companies like American Tower, I'll love that one. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's really positioned well. Uh, even though you know, test uh, SpaceX and Elon Musk companies are working on Starlink, I do think that you know some of these telecommunications um, businesses just have such a strong, high, spiky barrier to their businesses that I don't think we're going to see anyone take over. They may they may get chewed on, but they just have do- dominance. So really looking at companies that already have a market dominance that are fine to weather any particular drop next year uh, due to increasing rates. Um, you know companies that don't have uh, that are locked into their debt. Um, I think high high cash is always going to be good uh, going into the into the new year. So if you read between the lines here, the the everything that I didn't mention there is doing pretty badly. Those are all the speculative spot uh, offerings, the the risk on stocks that extends to crypto, like Chris said, but it also goes into even cannabis, uh, uh, speculatory uh, tech, new industries like three D printing, advanced manufacturing, genomics. Uh, biotech, which we'll get into, didn't do very well. Uh, uh, I'm excited about that. So, yeah, I mean, everyone's holding these. If you bought like a meme stock, if you bought any of these speculative stocks that went up sky high mid-year in February, those are more often than not, not very doing very well. They're not Santa Claus around. I wouldn't expect to see a good return on those. You saw the pop and then it came and went. 
it came and went and it's been down. It's not like a news flash here that we're seeing really poor returns now. Even tele telehealth, like just getting just rocked right now. We're we're almost at uh we we are almost at at the end of the year, the 52 week lows for a lot of these companies. So that that's not ideal going into 2022. When you're when you have a company that's you know hasn't found a floor yet, you, you gotta be a little nervous, you gotta be a little sweaty on that. So, yeah, I saw a lot of 52 week lows come up uh, over the last month. So for sure, we found some floors. We might still see a lower floor when they when it comes around. So I wanted to talk really quickly about what I like right now, and I'm going to kind of frame this a little bit. Um, So what I noticed as the year changed is a big influx of trading activity in crypto space. Hmm. Why did I see that? So. I have an assumption and I have um, some kind of market data and, and information and pattern effect that, that really plays on that. One of which, and I didn't think about this till about a day ago, is I think that we are now, because we are now in the new year, the tax loss harvesting is done. And the people that were holding money are now putting it back into the market and they are going to go off of the new fiscal year, which taxes won't be due until the following. So it's a big surge for investors. I think we're going to see a really nice pop tomorrow and term across the board. I think it's going to be a really great day in general because people are going to be putting money back into the market after taking their tax losses. Mm-hmm. On top of that, um, what T I- word, tax word. <laughs> yeah. And, and now that that tax word is done for the past year, we can start to look at this year. And most people are fairly short-sighted. They're going to dump money in now and see what they can make in the short term before they have to pay the taxes on it in the next 12 months. On top of that, uh, the surge that I mentioned before was in cryptocurrency. So cryptocurrency is and has been kind of reconsolidating. They've been going through this pattern of skyrocketing a little bit in September and October. uh, Sorry, not September, October, November, and then dumping back down. But the low now is kind of sitting at a really great trading volume. It's mm. moving in the right direction. It's been consolidating properly for the about, about a month now. Uh, we've, been sitting, we've been seeing anywhere between, for Bitcoin specifically, um, low 50s to high 40s, and it's been pretty stable there. Last time I saw a stability like this was in July of, this, of last year. And I saw that resistance hit around $35,000 after the big drop. Once it broke that barrier, it took off like a rocket. I think we're about to see something very similar to that. It's going to, once it breaks its containment at about $52,500, we're going to see that thing move forward in a way that we're pretty used to if you're, if you've been in these bull runs before. And and just, just, just sorry to interrupt, but are you talking BTC right now? BTC specifically, but the reason I'm mentioning BTC and it's kind of my benchmark, my, my litmus test for the crypto market, because it is. And I've said this many times and I'll say it again. It's the rising tide that lifts all ships. Mm -hmm. When BTC moves, everything follows. So once you see that movement from Bitcoin, if you're not on board, don't fret. It's okay. You can jump in. Altcoin season is going to be shortly behind it. So if I were to pick something that I really feel good about, you know, it's not a break from my norm. It's cryptocurrency right now after this consolidation period seems to be drawing to a close Within the next couple of weeks, I think we'll see the, fr- the fruits of that. Um, and then I'm big on tech still. I think tech's going to make a nice resurgence, but I do want to hear a little bit more about what Drew says in the next segment about biotech, because it has piqued my interest recently. Uh, it seems a little bit unfairly beaten down and the focus moved away from it for obvious reasons. 
But I think there's going to be some good news to come for those that are holding biotech and buying in short term. And, and I would love to get into the uh, biotech discussion now. But before we do, you mentioned tech. Can you be more specific, growth tech, dominance tech? Are you talking dominance about the, t- the, the top, the Google, Facebook kind of tech? Yep, I'm absolutely talking to your be... blue chip, your blue chip dominant tech, right? So I'm, th- I'm looking at, you know, like Amazon, Amazon's always going to be a solid play. I think Tesla, because of the tax uh, sale that they had with Elon Musk dumping a lot of his shares, is poised to make a resurgence. I think we're going to see companies like Salesforce as com- as people move back to the workforce or even remote work or the CRMs are going to be absolutely necessary as we move forward. They're going to be building out larger sales teams. Companies want to surge again. They want to go back to the economy that they were seeing in 2019. They are going to be using technology to make that happen. I also think, and here's my big one, and this is a little bit of a little bit of a, I don't know, big, big statement, I guess. A little bit of a big. All right, here we Facebook go. Facebook has taken its beating. It's done now. It, its beating has been had in Congress. It's been had socially. It's been had across the board with everybody kind of having a lot of distrust in Facebook. Their move to the metaverse is going to re- propel them to a new height. I would say this time next year, look for Facebook stock or Meta's stock, whichever mm-hmm. one you want to, whichever, whatever you want to call it, to be sitting somewhere over the 400s. Okay, I'm writing that down. You heard it here first. Yes, you did. So, Drew, give me yours now. You, you beat me up pretty good on this, and you made me re- rehash a lot of the pain that I felt last week. <laughs> Your turn. Tell me it's, what you like it, amidst all the problems we've seen. Well, we... We founded this podcast so we could talk through our pain so we didn't have to pay for a therapist over the weekend. We had to, we could just talk to each other and just, you know, huddle together in the warmth of our of our microphones and and share this with all of you because misery loves company. Exactly. Now I was wondering because I came up with a couple ideas while listening to you. Actually, one of them would be about a challenging trade. Um, in fact, it'd be more of a trade challenge. I like um, this. This is this is good. This plays into yeah, everything we so, want to do. So it's it's the first of the month. This is a, this is kind of like the week ahead preview section uh, of of the podcast. We usually think about the next five days. I want to think about the next thirty days. I'm okay, thinking about January with you. You have some pretty strong comments about BTC. I have, and I'm going to have some pretty strong comments about XBI, which we'll get into in a minute. Mm-hmm. If you can share with our listeners here the the ETF or the mutual fund that that represents you think crypto the best, challenge that against my ETF XBI that represents mm-hmm. the biotech sector, and let's just see who wins at the end of the at the end of the month. Who has a better? Who's right and who's wrong? So. Let me take a look here. So there really aren't that many crypto ETFs right now, and they're all futures ETFs. So we're not playing apples to apples here. We're playing apples to oranges, but I will still take your bet. So the only one that I really feel somewhat- The the least volatile one, essentially, is just- Give me a vault. I know they're all super volatile. It's actually Volatility is is kind of what we do, man. Actually, biotech is almost as volatile or more volatile, in my opinion, than currently. Currently, and that's, that's not always been the case. Crypto's always had a, a history of volatility. So I'm going to put mine against yours. So mine, here's mine. It's the ProShares Bitcoin ETF. ProShares, uh, what, what's the ticker? B-I-T-O. 
B-I-T-O. Okay. okay. And that primarily has Bitcoin and Ether in it, right? Uh, yeah, for the most part, it's just the the big ones, right? Bitcoin, okay. Ether. And I think that there may be a couple smaller altcoins in there, but nothing that is going to really deter anybody from getting into an ETF with crypto. So it came to life on October 19th, 2021. So its life has been fairly short, but that's the longest. It was the first ETF to be approved for cryptocurrency. Uh, is this only traded during market hours or is it? It was traded? only traded during market hours. Okay. It okay. is a futures ETF. So take everything here with a grain of salt. It is not a spot ETF. And one more piece of advice for our listeners once the spot ETF gets gets going and gets approved by the SEC, look out for a big, big, big surge for everybody holding crypto. That's the one we're waiting for. This is not the one we wanted, but this is still a good start. All right. We are starting here in January 28-9. All right. So percentage move up versus your XBI. We'll see who wins this at the end percentage of the Percentage move. Okay. That is our first That's a good challenge. Trade. Put it on the board. I'm going to win this one. I, th- I bet you are. If 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 history is any is any uh, prediction in in the stock market, which it's not, it, but it it could be, and Chris would be the winner by far here. And actually, uh, I'm I'm going to talk about really quickly because um, we've gotten a little off track here, but that's okay because we're just whiteboarding our ideas live here. No, this is good. I, I think that um, was a good it was a good challenge to my trades. Excellent. And feel free to use up any more challenges in the future against me. This is Drew's first challenge. I got to think of one. That was clever. Um, what do I think about the week ahead? I'm, I, I mentioned the month ahead, but I can get in that mainly in our big topic today on biotech. The week ahead is going to be very tricky because I don't know how much of the drop recently was tax loss harvesting. I don't know how much of the... Um, I don't know how much of the new year is kind of a reset or it's going to be the same mentality as we were in in November, December. Omicron, I think, is still a pretty big driver, although I'm I'm pretty sure it's peaking in the UK now that they didn't they're not seeing crazy increases in in uh, cases now. So the United States is seeing it, though. Uh, Mass just, you know, where I live, just had its record day for new cases in a day at 15,000, just a shade over that. That's true. But if you look at the original pandemic, actually prices started, uh, equity started recovering at the peak because people saw, oh, it's not getting worse at this point. So now we could say, you know, we could say it's get, it's we're at the peak. So we're going down soon. Um, I'm thinking that that a lot of markets have already done, started doing that to an extent, seeing how, okay, it's like not, not as high hospitalization rate if you look at South Africa. UK is like the first super populated company, uh, company country that, that's seeing kind of that like peak. And so now we could like extrapolate from that and say, all right, it's going to get at most this bad. And we're not going to have lockdowns and yes. we're not going to, you know, so I think the I also think there's news burnout there too. So we, we get burned a lot out of news burnout. I'm already so, burned. And, out. And, I don't we even move, like and we move on it. once we're burned out about it, we move on and we start to yeah. think ahead. And it's, it, I think you're absolutely correct. I think we're burned out in news in general now, and I can't say that that burnout is going to translate into next week of gains, but I, I do want to just say that whatever happens next week is going to set the tone for January. Um, and I'm, I'm really, I wouldn't have done that challenging trade with Chris if I didn't think that we were going to see uh, a pretty strong January in a lot of this, a lot of the areas that saw a little bit of pressure in December that's those risk on stocks. 
Um, granted, we're not sure what those inflation numbers are going to look like. Uh, I think that's coming in later in the month. Um, on the on the calendar next week, though, um, it's going to be all about uh, looking at looking at the home price. In, uh, sorry about that. Looking at construction spending, the manufacturing mm-hmm. index, uh, employment report, job jobless claims. Uh, a lot of manufacturing we're going to see here come out that that I think is going to be indicative of, of economic uh, productivity. So look out for the employment rate at the end of the week. It's been a hard thing to calculate from what I'm seeing too, given the pandemic numbers are really, they're, they're optimistic on jobless and, Mm -hmm. and uh, job reporting. Um, But they're now mentioning that those numbers might be a little bit skewed. So something to think about there, as you take that into consideration, it's been hard to get the reporting data on that from what we're seeing. And with that being said, take it with a grain of salt. I wouldn't use that to base your trades right now. There could be some portfolio rebalancing at the higher level, at the portfolio fund level, uh, in, in terms of rotation to beaten down sectors and rotation out of sectors that did really well in 2021, which I think actually might put some pressure on any of the, even crypto, because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of pressure I'm sorry to on say crypto. This You're because, right. You know, Last January, we saw a huge increase in value for a lot of folks, and, and they just might be waiting for that year to, to take long-term capital gains. And if you mm-hmm. see a giant increase, you might see a giant rotation out and rotation into sectors that have just been beaten down for people to take their long-term capital gains and take advantage of discounts that are really abound, uh, well, at least, at least compared to valuations earlier uh, last year. So yeah, and in that's terms something crypto, to consider. In terms of crypto, I mean, I've, I've said this many times and I'll say it again. If we ever hit that $100,000 mark on Bitcoin, for example, take your money out because that's a psychological mark, right? That's a mark where people are going to take profit and they're going to dump out of it. And you're going to see a pullback quite a bit. So think of, how the, think of the human mind. Think of the way that you think about your stocks. And there's a very high, very high likelihood that other people are feeling the same way. If they're at a comfortable place where they can take profits and take risk away from themselves as it comes to their financial future, they're probably going to take it. And mm-hmm. if they've been holding on to something for quite some time, especially given the, the peaks and valleys that we've seen over the last year, there's a very high likelihood that once it peaks again, you're going to see a big sell-off. Whatever that might be, any industry, crypto is definitely not exempt from that. In fact, it's probably more volatile and susceptible to it. So we have a shorter amount of time for our main story. And I wanted to get to this story because I know it's close to Drew's heart. And it's something that I've kind of been keeping my finger on the pulse of right now because it seems like the kind of play I want to get into. It seems like the right atmosphere for me to jump in. As a pattern trader, I'm seeing a market and an industry and a sector that's been very, I would say, maybe unfairly punished. I'm not sure if that's correct. I think the priorities have shifted uh, and things and uh, attraction and attention has been taken away from biotech. But I think that we are going to be moving back to that in the near future as things start to settle a little bit more ideally. But I want to hear Drew's take on it because that's a world that's very close to his heart. So I wanted to lead this segment and give me a reason why I should either keep my money in my pocket or put my money in biotech, which is what I'm feeling like I should do. So talk me into it one way or the other. 
Absolutely. And feel free to ask me questions. I know this, you know, isn't your area of expertise. I'm really looking forward to learning about crypto next week, by the way, everyone. Chris has, has essentially said, I'm going to, I'm going to spearhead that one. I'm going to spearhead crypto next week. So that's going to be really exciting. So today just ask me your, your smart and your dumb questions uh, on biotech. Biotech, as Chris mentioned, is something that's really a focus. Value in biotech are really the the bread, my bread and butter. Uh, at least I think it is, even though. And I know um, nothing about it. So that, that's what makes this really interesting because very rarely do I really have nothing here. And, and, I'm, com- <laughs> and I'm coming into this blind. Um, I'm just seeing a pattern that makes sense right now. But I want to know if my, if my inclination is right or wrong, given your information. Right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump right in here. Uh, thanks for queuing me up here. I, I, I guess the overall sort of sentiment from many investors and folks is your comment earlier calling biotech a controversial sector, which hurts my heart. Uh, And I'll tell you why only because life-saving medicine shouldn't be controversial. You know, Uh, folks developing treatments, cures, preventative things like vaccines should all be, Anyone would look at that and say, oh, that's that's a great sector. That's that's not going to be corrupted at all. You know, (laughs) but unfortunately, 2021 and 2020 was the year of people thinking, what is biotech? I'm going to look into biotech. I'm going to learn about it before 2020. I think there's a lot of folks that just weren't in that sector. And now they are just like. Bitcoin and all these other areas. I mean, we just yeah. saw a surge of investors in general, right? And they, they kind of yeah. spread across the board. They were investing in everything. And it felt like 1998 again. Biotech didn't really touch people's lives in a mandatory fashion until the mandates happened with the government. And then nobody likes to be told what to do. And nobody likes to see like, like everyone saw this enemy at the gates, coronavirus. And so the government said, we don't know what we're doing. We're just going to throw money at it without knowing what the long-term uh, consequences of that are going to be. We came up with some really effective medications now. And, and prior to that, in November, the announcement of the efficacy rate of Pfizer's uh, vaccine, which really drove an incredible run for biotech in November and December last year. And development of M- mRNA, like the fact that we got that going at this point, it's going to mRNA the way for-, for a lot of new drugs, a lot of new um, you know, aids for people that need it. And it's going to move things along so much faster than we've ever seen it. We've been holding it back and, and now it's now it's ready. Well, that that's a big part here that I want to get into, because I think that Yes, I think that for specific technologies that are around um, like treatment of infectious diseases, for Mm -hmm. instance, mRNA was developed actually in the 80s and 90s for oncology uh, and never really could could compete well with other oncology drugs. And then they kind of repurposed that Moderna did, uh, which which kind of spearheaded that technology. And they got lucky, I think, with um with with covid and now they could uh, apply that technology to other infectious diseases note though that antivirals are really like cylindrical in that they only seem to appear when there's a pandemic like a yeah, absolutely flu, when, when there's yeah, influenza when... throw a bunch of money at influenza and then they don't care exactly so exactly so we've been throwing money at covid for the last two years why is biotech hurting now 
Why, why, yes. why is this a problem? It seems like we focused on infectious diseases for quite some time, and biotech is taking quite the battering in terms of the market. So the XBI, XBI kind of biotech ETF that I've been referencing this whole time, SPDR, S&P Biotech ETF, holds a collection of about 194 or so biopharma, biotechnology stocks. So whenever I say biotech, I'm talking mainly at biopharma here, although biotech is used in, in the industry, um, you know, for, for agriculture, for other things. Mm-hmm. I'm just focusing on biopharma, which is new technologies like gene therapy, cell therapy, um, any kind of like, you know, CAR T therapy, any kind of time that you use a, a biological element um, to create a treatment or a cure for a disorder or disease or something like that. So it's, it's using, it's using bio, biology. I do make mm-hmm. the distinction between pharmaceuticals because pharmaceuticals are chemical, Understood. chemical. Um, they're, they're small molecules, typically sometimes large molecules, but they're essentially synthetic compounds. They're used to treat, you know, things. So, so that's, that's my distinction here. Pharmaceuticals versus biotech. Biotech is eventually turned into pharmaceuticals in that many of those treatments get commercialized and approved by the FDA. And synthesized. Correct. Yeah. So we'll move, we'll move towards that synthetic drug or treatment at some point based on the, um, the, the breakthrough that we've had in biotech typically. Yeah, IBB is a great index for the larger pharmaceutical companies, which has been doing pretty well, actually, <laughs> this year, this last year. Mm-hmm. Biotech index hasn't actually, since 2011, XBI has never been down this much uh, on, a, on a year, on a fiscal year basis. They're this is, this is what I want to hear. I want to hear this because I'm seeing your XBI down about 20%. 20%. So I, I put together a chart here looking at XBI over 2011 uh, to 2021. Let me just throw that on the screen here. Yeah, let me quick. take a look at that. So we can just, uh, can you see it? Yeah, I'm can seeing see a lot of green candles except for the last one. Yeah, so 2011 to 2014 to 2015, that's uh, five years, went up 5, 32, 48, 43, yeah. 13%, which is insane, which is really good. It, it kind of consolidated in 2016 before jumping another 43% in 2017. Another 2018, pullback. 2018 was, was very unique because the, the pattern. Uh, it it the, broke the pattern. It, it, the, the pattern, it broke the pattern, but it also broke in the same way it broke this year. It, it, it kind of fell down 30% or so from about September to December before really rallying in Q1 2019. Uh, about 40%. Yeah, but 2020, um, 50%. 2020 was the COVID stuff that came in and just... So it's an outlier. Skyrocketed it to 51%. As a, re, as a completely understandable outcome of that in 2021, we had a, a big pullback of 20%. Now, just looking at this candlestick pattern on the last 10 years, it you know it, it's feasible that we're setting ourselves up for another five-year, four, three to five-year multi double digit gains. Yeah. I'm looking at this pattern. I know as somebody who's a pattern trader, I don't need to know much more than this. What I'm seeing on my screen right now is an indicator of a buy, buy, buy. Like I want to get involved now because we've seen the year pullback and we've seen what happens after that, that, after those pullbacks, the first pullback in 2016 was followed up, which is not an outlier by a 43.4% increase year mm-hmm. over year. 
then it got a pullback again, 15%, same, same as the two years prior, and, and it was met with 32.6% gains, non-COVID related. The COVID related year is an outlier at 50%. So now we're seeing an 18% pullback. Why, do, why am I not going to assume that this is going to go green? It would be really unusual for it not to go green after this, at least, you know, some kind of swing, maybe in the 20 to 30% direction by the end of the year, which I don't think is, I think it's more than a 50% chance of happening. And it's even more than that 18% now it's over 20% uh, since I, since we, we took a look at this chart. So yeah, I mean, just from a technical, and I'm not even a technical guy, Chris, you're the technical guy. But I want to, but I want to, so we got, we got a couple of minutes left here. So what I want to know, right. I want to know from you is why do you think it's going to go up? I know patterns and the pattern shows me that it should where, what are we doing um, globally to put the focus back on biotech this year? So let me get into the issues that are, are going on right now. And then that'll determine whether or not the timing works for us to see, uh, rotation back in so each of these pullbacks has their own reasons you know it's not the same i think the big reasons why we're seeing a pullback this year is in addition to inflated valuations we're still seeing a lot of trouble in the biotech sector a lot of supply chain issues a lot of issues with recruiting um especially when there's a lot of covid uh, around and people are afraid to go out it's making clinical trial recruitment a lot more difficult it's making reading outcomes a lot more difficult um, the number, the cost is going up too, in terms of preclinical development costs associated with animal models, uh, mm-hmm. recruiting talent, lab supplies, m- much of which comes in, uh, from supply shortage, lab. labor shortage, yeah. all of those things are going to play into every market. And, and IP is such an important piece of this business that if you're delayed, your patent isn't going to be extended, you know? So IP is just really a ticking time bomb here for a lot of these companies and if you delay the preclinical timeline, then the revenue generating capabilities are going to be shot because of that. Mm-hmm. And adding inflation historically, whenever you see a increase, a change of increase of inflation, you see downward pressure for the XBI sector. So that's the change of inflation. So if we're seeing inflation change to be higher, then you're going to see a lot more pressure on XBI because a lot of these financial models are discounted over a long period of time, 10 years, 15 years to commercialization. If your time value of money goes up from 2% to 6%, you're losing 4% a year Correct. In, in value every year. And that, and that compounds over the commercialization timeline. So you're going to see historically lower returns for the sector from an inflation standpoint. Oh, but I think so we're getting our inflation under control now. That's the key. If that happens, if supply chain gets better, if inflation changes and starts getting lower, then those are going to be huge. Not only that in the short term, you mentioned it earlier, short, short-term tax loss harvesting, uh, I think is happening as folks look at their portfolios. They see the S&P 500 is at uh, all-time highs. It's done they incredibly have, well this year. They yeah. def- people definitely have... Um, equities in their portfolio that they've realized massive gains on, uh, especially recently because that one year, um, that one year mark has, has elapsed for a lot of folks and they see these long-term gains in their portfolios. They see the lower tax rate. They're going to pull on that. They don't want to have a, a, a positive realized gain balance going into 2020, 
too. So they're going to look at what's been doing really crappy in their portfolios. And so it really beats down the beaten down sectors. And I Correct. think that's, that's really, we've been seeing a lot of that recently. But now we've turned it to 2022. So tax loss harvesting is now done for the year. We are past that hump, at least short term. We'll be back at it again in November, December of next year. And we'll see exactly what people like Elon Musk want to do with their equity. But mm-hmm. in the meantime, that all, all of these items, you know, granted, if we got our, if we get our inflation under control, which we are doing all the right moves, the Fed has definitely taken the right steps over the last month or so. We're seeing um, a big increase in confidence in, in the market from consumers, retail investors. We're seeing people want to get back involved. We're seeing Omicron kind of beat down a lot of people in terms of, you know, a little bit of media burnout. We're seeing what we mm-hmm. think might be the top of it. So we're going to be, we may be getting over that hump as well. And, you know, ideally, and the supply chain issues can't get much worse than they are. We can only go up from here. And right. I think we, we, we are, and the Biden administration is doing a lot of work to get that kind of under control. So, so all of those things are to me up into the right arrows for XBI, for the biotech industry as a whole. What you haven't changed my mind in the least. In fact, you may have solidified it <laughs> for me to put my money there. Uh, in the last 10 years, we've never seen two down years in a row for XBI. And that's a good indicator of the biotech industry as a whole. There, again, this is not financial advice, but from what I can see, reading patterns, understanding Drew's sentiment, and knowing that he is much more of an expert in the space than I am, I think my money goes that direction. It wouldn't be a bad area to rotate into. Uh, back, back in Q4 2018, the last time that XBI dropped over 20%, it actually bottomed out on Christmas Eve before rallying 27% in three weeks in, into the third week of January. Unbelievable. And that's, that's a great rally, especially for an industry that isn't as fast moving as tech. Right, right, exactly. It doesn't. It, That's it, very it's abnormal. It's interesting how that happens, right? Um, I, you know, I think I think it just depends on whether or not we can get inflation under control. Um, the biotech pipelines are there. There, there's a lot of new technology coming out, building platforms, really opening up new avenues of treatment for patients, particularly for rare diseases. And and you're going to see, I think, uh, a larger amount of large cap pharmaceutical companies and even conglomerates start looking at M&A opportunities next year. And we actually saw a, a little bit of a rumor go on last week about Samsung actually acquiring Biogen. That's uh, yeah, I, I saw that as well. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I completely <laughs> forgot about it. Is that, is that uh, coming to fruition or? It makes a lot of sense, but it, 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 it was dispelled. It was dispelled, but Think about a conglomerate like Samsung, where they have these industries, semiconductors that are just crushing it right now. They have all this like positive cash flow coming from their other businesses. And then they also have healthcare, right? And they, they, healthcare, do, they, they do like connected fitness. They do, they uh, do everything. That, that's, the, that's the biggest advantage of being a conglomerate company with their hands in a lot of different industries is that one industry does really well that year. They can take the cash and those proceeds to make inorganic acquisitions in other industries that have been doing really poorly that are very discounted like biotech. And in, and One, in their minds, they're playing with house money, right? They've already made mm-hmm. that money. They're not using money that they, they, they're not taking money out of something to put it in something else. It's, it's extra money that they've got that they probably have to burn. So they're buying up other companies that may play in nicely with what their core business is. 
And that is where the real momentum is going to build deal activity in 2022. Once we start seeing those acquisitions, especially like looking at gene uh, therapies, looking at um, looking at mRNA uh, or RNA and DNA based therapies, mm-hmm. those I think are going to be the hot areas for acquisition targets. And I would, in addition to looking at XBI, I would also look at some of those uh, uh, gene plays, editing plays, gene mm-hmm. therapies, just to throw some chips on. Yeah, that's on kind of been sitting stuff. in the shadows and on hold for a little bit. Um, one more thing to talk about, one more thing to bring to light there, a little asterisk on that. As these companies make these acquisitions, should they be like, you'll see an initial pop like for, for those companies uh, at first, obviously upon acquisition or even the rumors of it, buy the rumor, sell the news. <laughs> But uh, just know that if those companies don't have a genuine roadmap or use case for that business that they are acquiring, don't expect those gains to hold. Know what you're getting yourself into. Read, read between the lines. If they don't really have a good plan in place, that company long term may end up losing you money. Exactly. So on that on that note, um, you know, invest wisely. We got this trade challenging trade. I, I feel com- I feel comfortable, but less than I did before. <laughs> especially because i the one that i've picked although it's a shorter amount of time uh has lost <clears throat> about 10 percent more uh and you know over the course of the year which we don't have a full year data to look at um you've only lost 20 percent, and yours actually looks like based on pattern that it's going to push we'll find out how quickly it's going to push we're only basing this on a 30-day window so maybe i'm right maybe i'm wrong either way we'll find out one quick thing i wanted to throw out there we're going to shorten the funny the funny note in the market segment, but it's going to be kind of a precursor to a topic we're going to bring up in the near future. Mm-hmm. So I saw this in the market, and I think it's hilarious um, because it's just another one of those that we read it, we go, "That's what they're doing." These guys are ridiculous, <laughs> and move on. But I, I think we might want to actually talk about it for share, a second. Share your screen here. So I'm going to share my screen. So what I'm seeing here is a Wall Street Journal article, (laughs) and I'll give you the title. China warns Walmart against removing products made in Jingwang. Uh, China has issues with human rights and labor um, legality as it pertains to the global market. The way that they like to conduct business is not the way that a lot of businesses like to conduct business, and they don't want to be associated with that kind of human rights issues, with those kinds of human rights issues. China is constantly pushing back. And when things don't go China's way, they like to just assert dominance. And right now, what I'm reading is publicly speak out against a company of very large magnitude, like Walmart, telling them that they can't do that. This is just another one of those issues that China has with the global market, where if you don't do it their way, they're going to yell at you. They're going to force you to do something because they are very convinced about their economic stature um, and how much clout and power they hold globally. I think it's ridiculous because China likes to fight every fight. How much energy can you expel? If you're, are you going to go after every company? Are you going to, are you going to fight everybody that doesn't buy from you? Uh, I think this is just a, a tip of the iceberg and we're going to have this larger conversation probably in the next two weeks of the red flags that China is throwing up right now that are showing that they may not be on such solid ground economically, and they may not be as powerful as we once held them to be. 
um, and how that might play into how the market moves around their voice and their effort. So there's a lot that we can unpack there, but I think this is just a funny story because China just, you don't want to buy from Jing Wang? Well, screw you. That's how they look at everything. And then they're going to publicly have an outcry against it. In my opinion, China has bigger problems to worry about. This should be the least of their concerns. And so, we'll be talking about those issues in two weeks. Absolutely. Uh, and it's going to be a fun conversation. I think this one's going to really ruffle some feathers. And we're going to preface this by saying that we're, we stand with working with China. We want them to provide global trade to everybody. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of things that they need to come to light on in regards to how they work with the rest of the world and the way that they handle their business and their own economy as it pertains to ours. And if you're listening to this podcast from China, there's a 95% chance it will be removed from the internet in two weeks. It's already gone. <laughs> it's, it's gone. Um, okay. So let's do a quick one here. Uh, let's just, let's just do a blitz round upcoming week. What do you like? What do you not like? What do you see happening? What I hope to what, happen, what do you think is going to happen? What I hope to see is a reversal of the trends we've been seeing over the last two months. So a little bit more action that will support the hypotheses around tax loss harvesting, portfolio rebalancing, and uh, a focus on really putting that cash that's been building over the last month or two to work and back in the equity market and hopefully a little cooling off on inflation. But all those things can't happen next week. I just hope that we see a little glimpse of that happening next week to really set us up really well for, for January. So I'm with you. I think we're going to see a really nice pop tomorrow. Um, I really feel good about how things are going to look tomorrow in terms of the entire market. I'm not even going to pick a segment. I'm not going to pick a sector. Put your money somewhere tomorrow and just or if you're holding something, you'll be, you'll probably be fine. Um, the tax loss harvesting is over. So people are done taking money out and they're ready to put money back in. Uh, we're going to see that kind of play out. It may not be a very quick dumping of money into the market. It may be a slow trickle as things mm. move on um, and, and things unfold over the next month or so. Um, what I think we're going to, so the other thing too, is again, I'm a pattern trader. The pattern I've seen is a very significant consolidation, a taper at the very, very end of last week. So it's showing all the signs of a, of a support level of having been formed now. And we're looking like we're going to move up. That's typically what we see after these kind of tapering off and then sitting around the same price point plateauing for a little bit, which is what we've been doing. Little, little moves up, little moves down. Now it comes the ride. So look out for that. I think segments that are going to see a lot of growth are going to be the ones that got hit in the last month. So we're going to see tech. We're going to see tech come back to life really quickly. Uh, crypto is going to start making its move upward, maybe not the next week, but soon. Um, and those are the ones I typically focus on. What we talked about last week, keep your eyes on energy. I think energy is going to be a really big player as well. So we've got a lot of stuff to work on, um, but we also have a lot of stuff to feel good about. So I feel very optimistic if not next week, the following. All right. Well, that's it for today. Um, uh, it was uh, it was it was a great. It's going to be a great start to the new year. A great. Um, really, we're really excited about this next month. We're not. I'm not as past pessimistic as I was at the end of the year last year. I'm feeling good. You should be feeling good. Uh, any other disclaimers we need to talk about here? Just wanted to mention one more time. For, we mentioned a lot of specific stocks by by ticker symbol today. We mm -hmm. mentioned a lot of specific companies today, and this could easily be misinterpreted as investment advice. It is not. 
Just a friendly reminder, Challenger mm-hmm. Trades is a news and opinion source. We do not provide any investment advice. Please do your own due diligence. Trade wisely and trade in a way that you would feel comfortable losing every penny because that's how I try to do it. And I know that's how Drew tries to do it as well. Although if we do lose every penny, we do cry ourselves to sleep. And I am Drew and this is and Chris. this is Chris. Yeah, this is Chris. So and we I, are I missed, challenging I missed that trades. pick up there. But yes, <laughs> thanks again for listening to Challenging Trades. Keep on uh, listening for next week's topic. We're going to be talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency next week. The following, uh, as we've already kind of alluded to, we're going to be talking about China. There's going to be two very big and interesting Ooh. topics that you're going to want to keep your eyes on. So we're going to be excited to bring those to you in the next two weeks. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye-bye.